Hello, this is Coach Aaron Saft and the MR Running Pains Podcast. Today, I have a guest. It's been a while, but this one uh, truly deserved the episode, and his name is Pat Hartzell. Um, Pat and I have been working together for about two years. Uh, we started working together towards the Umstead 100, as you'll hear Pat talk about, but then COVID hit, and Pat's been chasing the 100-mile finish ever since and uh, and finally found it at the Country Mile just recently here, um, and uh, you're going to hear a story. He's been through a lot, uh, continues to go through a lot, but he's got a lot of helpful advice uh, for those that are going through a lot of things um, in life and are chasing their goals and how to uh, to still achieve them. So thank you, Pat, for this conversation. I thoroughly, I thoroughly loved talking to Pat and uh, really hope uh, you gain some insight and maybe some some uh, some insider tips as to how you can move through um, some some tough times in life. So here's my conversation with Pat. My guest today is Patrick Hartzell. Um, Pat, it's uh, it's been a long time coming. We've we've been training together for um, almost two years. Is that correct? Yeah, that sounds about right. About the time that um, I had the notion to do my first 100 at Umstead. Right, right. Uh, which um, that first year, um, that was, was that the pandemic year? We had a wait a year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it was, um, I think a year or two prior to that, you know, I had run a lot of marathons and happened to be out at Umstead. I had a friend that wanted to do a 50 miler to celebrate her 50th birthday. And I had just run, you know, a year or two before my very first ultra out in the Elderby area. And I had been um, kind of always aware of Umstead. I had been out there, but never on the course race day. So going to support my friend and just seeing the support and the quality of that race kind of got me to that next level of what if, what if, what if I try this 100? So I think the week after that particular 2019 event, I just started doing all my long runs out there, but realizing that if I am successful in making it through the lottery, I definitely will need a coach to help me get, you know, from 50 to a hundred, you know, it really was a terrifying distance. So somehow you and I connected along that way. And um, yeah, that was the start of our journey together. Absolutely. Um, well, let's, let's go back a little bit further, Pat, tell us a little bit more about you. Who are you? How old are you? Where are you from? All that good stuff. Yeah, no problem. Um, I am in Raleigh, North Carolina. I am currently 52 years old and probably about 190, 90 pounds for those just kind of getting a mental image like that all kind of equates to Clydesdale. Um, <laughs> I've been a runner my whole life. I started in high school, probably like many others. Um, I just loved the sport and never anything super special, never made it very far, maybe not through the first round of regionals, never to states, never ran um, competitively in college, but it was always something that was there for me. It was kind of my favorite um, exercise forum. And I think over 
the span of my life, it really has taken on different meanings and has continually evolved as I've aged. Um, I think in my 20s, well, like right after high school, 18, 19, 20, I still liked running and I would enter local 10Ks. But I was the kind of person that would be not really train for them. But at that age, I could finish. It would be awful, but I could still finish. <laughs> and then in my 20s, it was, you know, college and that type of that point in your life. It was really sporadic. It was a good stress relief during college. At a time where I felt like I'm out of shape, that was my go-to, pick up running again. And I got to the point as I got into my 30s, I realized kind of this haphazard training thing is not really helping me so much. So I got into a spot where um, I was thinking, let me find something that would be super challenging that at that time I couldn't imagine doing. That would certainly require a regimented training plan, you know, not like my earlier 10K days. Like I, I need something that I need to be consistent over time to prepare for. And back then that was the half marathon, you know, at age 30, I never imagined who would run 13.1 miles. That's crazy. <laughs> um, and I did a bunch of those and would fit some travel in or visits with family that would, that would um, have a half marathon. So I got to do a little traveling and, and doing those over time. Once it became not normal, I don't think it's ever normal, but it was, what's the next challenge? My goodness, who would run a marathon? That's pretty crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And so then I found that next level of training and preparation. Um, My very first marathon was the inaugural Outer Banks. I don't even remember what year that was at this point. Um, And it just had all the elements of wind and rain and overcast and cold. And it was just fantastic. (laughs) And I I think I got hooked at that point for some strange reason. Um, then a bunch of marathons, um, and I don't know over the span of how many years, but as I aged, um, I found that kind of the, the culture changes. There's a lot of formats of marathons, big cities, um, smaller events, really crowded events. Um, I found that I liked kind of the lower key kind of things. I liked getting out of the crowd. I liked exploring and seeing scenery, but not having wall-to-wall people for that entire duration. So I happened to come across June of one year. I was looking for some race to do, and I found the Bethel Hill Moonlight Boogie. (laughs) I didn't know anything about it. I had no clue. And I went and I ran it as a marathon and it, and it had the weirdness of starting at 6 PM and it was June hot and humid in North Carolina in the Sand Hill regions. And as I was running that, I came across all these other runners that were just kind of strange and weird and wonderful and fun and kind of of the same ilk. 
that I hadn't experienced before. They happen to be running the 50 milers like, hey, we're ultras. I'm like, oh, these are the kind of people I've been looking for. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so the following year I returned and that's where I ran my first 50 miler. So I would, um, I'm going to guess that it was probably 2018-ish, somewhere in that era. It definitely was. Um, and I say that because in January of 2018, I also found another group, um, a streaker group out of um, Albemarle. So a run streak where we run at least a mile a day, every day. Um, today, I just happened to be on, um, let's see, I had written it down. I am on day 1,569. So if you're playing the home game, it's four years, three months, and 18 days approximately. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at now. I really enjoy having this daily streak. And, you know, a mile isn't necessarily the big deal, but just that mental challenge every day, day in, day out. And I, I put my own slant on it in that everyone must be, every run must be outdoors. So if I travel for work, it might be laps around a hotel parking lot. <laughs> it might be, um, if, if it's raining outside, I'm going to be outside, you know, and that, that has been quite, kind of fun as well. That's cool. Um, so to give us, kind of a better picture of of you is there a reason like what do you find in running that keeps you going like why does it you know why do you find yourself streaking you know after four years of running you know at least a mile a day what um what does it bring to your life why do you run i think it's it's a simple question with the with a um harder answer i think in terms of who pat is if i think of pat as a father pat as an employee pat as a son pat as a church member pat as a runner um, there's running that is an important facet of my life but running is also kind of the glue that holds all the pieces of pat together Um, i find that you can look at it as purely a, a form of exercise, which has been, which has been good, but also kind of a form of um, maybe meditation or mental relaxation. Um, times where I may be under stress or upset, or or maybe life is just running at a really fast pace and things are coming faster than I can process. That's a time where. I can head out for a run and at some mile, I don't, I've never figured it out. Um, my mind will go blank and you just get into that rhythm of, of the footsteps and the breathing. And then at some point your, your brain comes back online. Like I've sorted all my troubles. And for me, that, that has just been wonderful. It's just kind of a part of who I am and, and what I do just almost like breathing every day 
I think it's it's great to reflect sometimes and think about like, you know, and maybe that reason changes over time, but you know, why why are we out there? What are we doing? You know, it it kind of I think reemphasizes and kind of re-energizes us in that regard. I was actually thinking on this the other day, just, you know, why 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 do I love going out for a run so much? And um, you know, I, I started thinking back to my childhood. And, you know, what was I into back then that, you know, I, I just, you know, what, why would I go run? Um, and I thought about like, you know, some of the, uh, some of the things that I, I was into as a kid and I was always into exploration. Um, I loved Indiana Jones. I loved explorers. We studied <laughs> explorers in school, you know, Ponce de Leon and, and all these guys, Magellan, all of these guys that, you know, just went all over the earth and just explored new territories you know, not unknowns, right? Like risk peril, yeah. all this stuff. Now I'm, I'm not saying I risk peril to go out for a run, but I get to explore, you know, and that's, yes. I think a huge thing to me, you know, you're kind of talking about earlier how going to the races, you know, you get to be out there, see new things, explore that feels like what I can, you know, reach that inner child, that inner Aaron when I was young and be like, here's what my passion was and here's what it still is being able to go out there and do that. Um, have you found a race that embodies that for you? Oh boy. I think several, I think in the recent years, it's, I really enjoy, um, trail running. And I, I love the woods. I love the Blue Ridge mountains. I love the desert, just these landscapes that I wouldn't normally get the chance to see if I didn't sign up for a race. But I think I'd, one of my brothers once had told me a long time ago, like the most interesting things to see require the hardest efforts to get to. And so that's in the back of my mind. I um, last June did a race out near Blacksburg, Virginia, and it was just up in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and boy, Aaron, that first two miles was just a bear. It was almost straight up, and at best was a power walk, but when you got to the top of that, the views were just spectacular, and you're at a spot where, you know, it's a hiking trail. Anybody could access it, but it was just that difficult that people wouldn't normally go to, or there may have been a waterfall in a shorter distance. So you're up here just finding these gems that I wouldn't have found any other way. Um, in March, I ran the Antelope Canyon 50 miler out in Page, Arizona. And again, I wouldn't have gone out there unless it were for the race. But the landscape was just phenomenal. I mean, I will never be able to put in words what my eyes saw. Every view was just, just something else. So I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at more these days. It's not necessarily focusing on pace or where I'm at. It's what kind of training can I do to enable me to, to have just one-of-a-kind experiences so maybe it's kind of similar to you with that indiana jones analogy yeah no it's it, it is i mean I, I like i mean you know when i think back to races that 
mean something and and I have the the best experiences, it's when I I become lost in the environment, lost in you know where I'm at, you know, rather than the you know the the hubbub of you know uh, what time am I at, what place am I in, all that stuff, you know, like I rather just I find myself you know captivated by the environment rather than by the uh, the race itself right it doesn't it doesn't become a race anymore it becomes a journey um and i think that's when i find i'm happiest and engaged in the moment rather than worrying about like you know um you know obviously you still have to worry about nutrition and and that but I'm not worried about my pace. I'm not worried about like, you know, what anybody else is doing. I, I, I'm just captivated by the surroundings, which, you know, obviously Antelope Canyon, you know, you talked about that. The, that's one of those where, you know, I, I would feel probably just invigorated by everything that's, that's around me. Um, you know, hard rock is one of the first ones that comes to mind for me because of the same scenario, just the, the, the magnitude and beauty of the mountains that you're moving through. Um, and the appreciation for the, the, you know, to be able to have that, that locomotion, you know, the, the, the capacity yeah. to, to move, um, through the mountains, um, you know, and just enjoying the surreal experience. Um, and I mean, you know, at Antelope, you know, you were, um, you were running with your brother. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and, and his experience and, and what the background story on that was? Wow. Yeah. It, um, there's a lot to unpack there as well. <laughs> so, um, no, it's, it, I'm glad you asked. So some years ago, um, I ran a Wilmington marathon. And at that time, my niece, wanted to run a marathon and she wasn't necessarily, um, you know, a long distance runner, but she was a freshly former D one soccer player. And if she puts her mind to something, she's going to go. And so she joined me and I think one, maybe two years in a row, we did it together. We just had a great time. And since then she kind of caught the bug uh, for ultras And it had to be 2000, I want to say 19. Um, She ran out at Zion and really kind of funny because she's the type of person she didn't know about hydration packs. So she showed up without one at Zion. And there's a lot of runners who are like, wow, are you a professional? She (laughs) had no clue what they were getting at. And she finished it. And the pictures that she had taken And the previous years, two of your other athletes, Bonnie and Trish, had done it. It was just, what a beautiful landscape. And so I had talked to my niece and I want to go do that. And she said, no, I've already done this one time. I don't like to repeat. And so she was the one that proposed Antelope Canyon. And what I've come to learn is when my niece suggests an adventure, you don't even need to think about it. Just say yes, because it's <laughs> going to be spectacular. So she kind of pulled us in. And last August, when it came time to sign up, I happened to be visiting my mother. And my oldest brother was down at the same time. And we're getting ready to go out somewhere for lunch. I said, hold on. I got a thing to do in this next 10-minute window. The registration was just opening up. So as I was talking to my older brother about it, 
you know, hey, I'm going out to Antelope Canyon. There's this thing called the Horseshoe Bend we run near, and there's these slot canyons and the desert. And you know, he, he said, well, I studied the Horseshoe Bend in college in geology. And I said, oh, that's kind of nice. The difference is I'm going to be on it, near it, wearing it, breathing it, <laughs> seeing it. Like just, yeah, it's nice that you studied it, but there's no... <laughs> comparison for touching it right and he had been a former college runner and i believe he was part of a four by 100 record setting team that that record stood for a long time but he kind of came away from running and you know he's in his 60s and um wanted to make some lifestyle changes so it really surprised me as we're driving for lunch from the back seat. I hear I'm in like, <laughs> of course you're in the car. We're going to lunch. He goes, no, I signed up and I was just stunned. <laughs> and through the course of lunch, I started talking about how I have a coach and what a coach does. And it's been a long time since he's been in that environment that quickly he reached out to you um, to get help. And when my niece found out that he signed up, she said, well, it's only fair if all three Hartzell brothers run it. And so she kind of badgered her, her father, my middle brother, to sign up as well. And then somewhere along the way, my nephew signed up. So it became this, I don't know, ad hoc family reunion where we were all doing these ultras. And many of them were doing their very first one. So it was just, I think that made it even more special of not just the course and the landscape, but to see my oldest brother's training and enthusiasm and really going from almost couch to 55K was, I think, for me, as rewarding as my own participation in the event. And that's, I mean what, you know, what a motivating piece to have, uh, you know, have your, your brothers all there, uh, your nephew, your niece. Uh, it's just, I mean, that, that's so cool to have, uh, you know, them experience it with you. I've never had, you know, I've never had a family member, you know, do I, my brother was the, uh, my older brother was the closest I had was he did cross country with me. Um, and came to experience my first hundred miler. He wanted to be there for that. He is, um, army reserve. Um, he went through uh, officer training school down in Alabama where they just, you know, beat the snot out of him. Um, he went yeah. through ranger training. Like he's, you know, this guy's, he's, you know, a, a tough guy is, is my point, you know? And when he saw the hundred miler, he just was like, you know, nothing I've done, Aaron compares to what you just did. And that put me on the floor. <laughs> I was like, you know, what? Yeah. You know um, it, it's really cool to share those moments with those you love in your family. You know, it's, um, it's just a, it's a really special, special thing. I, like I'll never forget coming across the line, you know, my wife just jumping up and down, you know, just being there and, and my brother, you know, just, just embracing me and just telling me how proud he was. And I, like, what was it like for, for you all when you got to the finish? I want to hear about that moment. <laughs> well, um, a couple pieces and we'll, we'll revisit a little bit, but, um, you know, my training leading up to Antelope Canyon wasn't the most stellar. 
<laughs> so much so at one point you're like, you know, I really think you should drop down to the 55 K and go with your older brother. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. I know you're absolutely right. And I had already signed up for the 50 and I knew when I got to, um, you know, pack a pickup, I could drop down at that point. And that was the plan. And then on the plane ride somewhere towards Phoenix, I was like, Aaron's right. But is he really telling me to do the 55K race? Or is he telling me not to go more than 55K? <laughs> and the distinction there is there were two separate courses. The 50 miler um, was one that it had kind of a nine mile out and back that went specifically through Antelope Canyon. The 55K course did not include Antelope Canyon. It picked up some other slot canyons in the Horseshoe Bend. So kind of my self-talk in the plane was, would I have more regrets if I got, if I just did the first 30 miles on the 50 mile course and scored a DNF versus running the 55 K course, getting the medal and all that, but regretting not going through Antelope Canyon. And so somewhere at 30,000 feet, it was, I would have more regrets, not experience, not experiencing Antelope Canyon. So I'll do the first 30 and we'll just see what happens. So, you know, towards the middle 50, 60% of the course is where I've gone out. I've gone back. I'm with my niece, Shannon. We're going through Antelope Canyon, taking pictures. It was just this wonderful experience getting back onto the 55 K course. And at certain points I saw my middle brother, which he is not a runner. He was a lifelong soccer player. He did minimal training and you could just, he's like, this sucks. It's awful. I'm chafing. <laughs> and he, he finished. <laughs> he's like, I understand why you do this, but I hate running. It was just, it was really funny as he's chafing. I'm like, they have stuff like body glide. <laughs> here's, a here's a fundamentals that I didn't realize he, he wasn't aware of. Um, and then somewhere the very last 13 miles of my course goes around the page Mesa. So as I'm outbound towards the Mesa, here comes my nephew back in and he seemed to be in good spirits and smiling and trucking along. I never did see my older brother. He had to be at some point along that Mesa coming back around. So towards the finish line, we all finished at separate times. Um, when I was, before I saw my nephew outbound, there was my middle brother coming back. He's like, hey, I'm almost done. Sucks to be you. <laughs> like the, the true brotherly love. Um, <laughs> I finished probably about 8.30 at night and it was dark and they had all finished. They're all back at the Airbnb, right? It wasn't this spectacular <laughs> big bang of the whole family's right there. Um, last mile or two, and this, this is part I'll, I'll never forget. It was dark. The course wasn't 
marked as well as you would like. And they, they just couldn't the way the setup was. But there were spots where, you know, it might be some small ribbons clipped to some, you know, sagebrush in the desert. Um, didn't quite lend itself to nighttime running, not that much reflective stuff. Um, so at times you were doing a little bit of a scavenger hunt to find the course. And so on our way back in the last mile, there was a spot where I knew we had come out from the desert and turned onto this road. So your gut feel is like, that's where we go in to finish. But the runner ahead of us didn't make that turn. They kept going. The person I was with, like, we're not really sure. Maybe he knows what he's doing and maybe we're confused. I don't know. We followed him for about a half mile down the road when we realized he made a mistake. We're making a mistake. We turn around, we head back, turn back off onto that desert. And now we're kind of looking for the trail and it's dark and we know we're close, but we're not exactly sure where the course is. And just in the dark, you hear, woohoo. That was my, my niece. You just knew at that point, she knew when we were supposed to hit the finish line and we were a little overdue. So she ran backwards on the course. And that was quite special. The last half mile just to finish. And, you know, she's happy. She finished probably three hours ahead. And we're just, that was just a special time for that last half mile and crossing the finish line and not many people there but by that time I'm pretty beat and you just yell out who's got a beer and it comes from somewhere I don't know but that that tasted just fantastic and then um you know we got back to Airbnb and just everybody was tired and happy and you know the nephew and the oldest brother was just finishing something they never imagined doing was really cool. That is absolutely. Yeah. It was cool sharing their, their journey from, you know, like you said, I mean, the two of them, you know, they had never really trained, let alone done anything like this, you know, just, just watching them grow as runners and, you know, just the, um, I think we forget sometimes what it's like to be, um, new to a sport right? Like they had no clue. Like you talked about your middle brother, not knowing about body glide. Those are conversations we had to have so that they knew what body glide was and why they should use it and how often, you know, and then talking about gear, talking about packs, you know, like getting them to train with nutrition and, and understand, you know, this is, this is what you need to practice. Um, that was a really neat experience. Um, I really enjoyed that. It's been a while since I've really coach somebody, especially at the ultra level that was like so new to a sport, um, and just needed like every piece of information. And it was, I enjoyed every conversation. I, I mean, just, you know, going through things and making sure I answered all their questions and they understood what they're, what they're supposed to do. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. So I like, I mean, I really wish I was at the therapy to be to, you know, to, to, to celebrate with those guys to end yourself. Um, cause that was, I was really happy for them. Um, yeah, yeah, it was kind of fun because we also had your another athlete, Trish, of yours. Um, she came along as well, and um, when she realized what was going down, she kind of thought, "Oh, this is a Hartzell family reunion." Like, 
it really isn't. It just happened. <laughs> and over the course of a few days, she became indoctrinated as an <laughs> honorary Hartzell. And <laughs> she might regret that till her dying day, but it happened too. <laughs> and um, we, it was just a special time. Absolutely. That's uh, so beautiful. Um, you know, and, and, and like you said, you know, we, we, we didn't have the intention um, you know, if you run in the 50 miler, but the, the next one that was on your calendar, we, we really didn't have the intention of what you ended up doing, which was the, uh, the country mile. Um, so can you give us a little bit of background, um, about like, you know, why training wasn't going the way we had intended it, nor did we have these, you know, did we really set these distance goals? <laughs> and we'll, yeah, again, we'll talk about the big, you know, the, the country mile, but, um, yeah, just give us a little bit more as yeah. to what was going on. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So, you know, they um, started off describing that, hey, I'm 52. And, and the other facet of Pat's life is um, entering a phase of my life where it's interesting that you've got generations ahead of you, aging population, and, and the generations behind. And I think when I was a kid, like, here's aunts and uncles, and they're always there, right? It, I mean, they're always there. That at 50 year old or 50 years old, um, you know, nieces and nephews and the younger generation, you're realizing that you're becoming that reference point for them. Sounds kind of strange, but like, yeah, okay. If Shannon asked to uh, take a trip, I'm going to do it. And I don't care if I succeed, fail, I'll laugh. She can laugh at me, but we're making memories and bonds that will last. And, and then when I turn in context and look forward, you're seeing aging parents and aunts and uncles and great uncles. You're seeing, you know, people that were references in my life have either, either passed or are struggling. And in 2020, um, my father was diagnosed with dementia and like primary phase aphasia to be specific, but, but more in the dementia um, spectrum. And that hasn't necessarily occurred direct in the family prior. And I think my grandmother may have had it, but this is the first time it, it, it's your own parent. And over the course of last year, 2021, we saw from, you know, experiences where dad is having some paranoia episodes and, and things like things that you just, you've never experienced as an individual and then transitioning them to a senior care facility where um, he can get the care that he needs and and mom is in a place that is good for her and kind of working through that as a family and trying to navigate, you know, how, how do you find a senior living facility? What, what kind of medical diagnosis happens? What over time we'll have to deal with, you know, selling their house and, and these type of things, major, major um, life of challenges. That, that we're kind of navigating. And, and that's been pretty tough. Um, and then to boot in January of this year, um, after about a 25 year marriage, 
my wife and I separated. So there's kind of layers of suck <laughs> that have built building up in my life. And, um, you know, and it's not a tale of woe is me, but the challenge of going through um, early on, I heard people describe it as traumas and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't necessarily make sense, but, but in hindsight it is. And, you know, there were days where my coach would prescribe, here's the runs you need to do. And he would look at the results and it would be a streaker mile and a streaker mile and a streaker mile. And at that time, that's, that's really all I could do. And I think my January and February mileage combined may have been slightly less than a hundred miles that I just finished a week or so ago. <laughs> really, really tough. And, um, but through all this, it's kind of just keeping in the early days and everything that I have learned is, you know, you get in such an emotional space that at times it's, that's where you're at. I might go and sit on the couch and might all of a sudden the day's gone. And I don't mean that as in like a depression sense, but it's just like this emotional side completely consumes you um, that, you know, over a little bit of time you start, I think like coming back online. Well, you know, don't got a grocery shop, still got to clean the, dishes there's functional aspects of pat's life that need to continue and that's where i really leaned back into leaned onto my running it may have been just a mile a day but for that specific day that could have been a 10 to 15 miler just lacing those shoes up and getting out and i could have been at a really low low that day but when i finished I did feel better. And over time, here's another streaker mile or another streaker mile to the point we get out to say Antelope Canyon and you're starting to, I wouldn't say recover, but you're starting to get a little more balance back in your life and starting to pick up those miles. And two things. Um, I, uh, the, the first thing that I think you did that I think really helped and made a difference, you know, for anybody that's, that's going through this circumstance with, with the separation was you sought help. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say probably if you, if we had this interview even five years ago, um, Pat is pretty, um, self-sufficient. I wouldn't necessarily say proud, but like, reaching out for help isn't just that natural thing. And so what I've learned about myself is you need help. Um, I found some um, divorce care groups to participate in. I reached out to friends that have gone through similar experiences. I learned to talk about and name things that I am going through. And 
that has made just a huge difference in my life. It's not so much woe is me, but what I've found in this journey is there are many others that are like, yeah, today is really going to suck, but tomorrow will be better. Or, hey, you know, you're doing really good on your journey. This is what's going on. And just having, having a community and learning to reach out, not necessarily even asking for help, but just reaching out and then help comes. And I, I'm still shocked to this day of the goodness of people and wanting to help. Um, that has just made a big difference for me. Um, I encourage if there's others in similar situations, just ask for help. It really is sometimes it's very simple. And the, the one program in, um, in now is interesting because in the early days, they talk about the trauma of separation and kind of the fundamentals of nutrition. Like, don't just live off of a box of animal crackers. <laughs> don't get lost in cans of beer kind of thing. Like, hey, here's you need to have a good, solid nutrition base. But the other side of it, too, is they said exercise is the key. And I'm thinking, oh, good God, I have to ask Aaron for more than what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. And what I found through my journey, when I talk about my running and I talk about ultra and I talk about that as a facet, and then I talk about it in terms of a glue, what I find is that my personal journey with separation is very much like an ultra. There's points in an ultra where you're at a low, low, you're like, I just want to give up or I hurt really bad, but you work through it. Left, right, repeat. And so on my personal side, it's days I really struggled. Um, getting into a positive mindset, labeling, labeling, recognizing I'm in a low, low, left, right, repeat. A better day will come. And just, just getting into that mindset of, hey, this is really like an ultra of a different flavor. That, that has just been wonderfully helpful to me. I don't even know how to describe it. And I think, you know, running, um, cause you, you know, you told me like, yeah, just as you said earlier, you know, the streak mile may be all I have today, but I need the structure. The, I need the accountability to make sure I keep doing this, you know? Um, and then I think the other piece of it too was, you know, every once in a while, it, it, it may be once a week, it may be every other week you would send out kind of a, almost like a journal update, like here's Pat and here's how Pat's doing this at this time. Um, and you would share that, you know, I, I got, I got it and I read through it and I just want you to know that I read it and I'm, I'm listening and I'm here if you needed it, but I think that helps as well, just putting it out there so people know. And, you know, it, it I guess it, it's something for you to say, well, here's where I'm at, you know, like uh, this, this is what's, this is what Pat moment is. Um, does that feel 
I mean, how does that make you feel once you get that out there, once you put it out there? Um, it really is kind of, um, it makes me feel good because it's, here's where I'm at at this particular day. And, and you have to think of it. It is that specific day. Some, some of those are joyful. Here is a positive things that are happening to me and the way I'm processing things and maybe rediscovering values of me. And then there's some days that, you know, they're, I'm describing struggles because it happened and it's happening. And, you know, other, yeah, I really write it for myself and sharing is kind of a therapy to share. Like, this is what is really happening. Um, I'm not, I don't want to avoid that conversation or pretend like this is not happening because it is. And, and that's why I put it out there. Um, yeah, I think that's been pretty important because it's just a way for me to get my head onto paper and to kind of sort my thoughts moving forward. And it, it's, it's, as you know, it's they're pretty random. It's just, Hey, now it's a time here's, here's what's going on. And I don't know, here they come. <laughs> hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's been helpful to me. Absolutely. And you know, I guess we talked about, you know, your, your family and your father and, and his, you know, condition. And then, um, obviously the separation, um, the third piece that would set up, uh, what transpired at the country mile would be what happened last year at Umstead. Can you talk a little bit about the Umstead hundred miler in 2021? <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, um, so I had that dream of Umstead and I started earlier in the pod podcast describing how I became interested and how I found you. And I kind of had this dream after 2019, I'm going to do all my long runs out there and I'm going to get in the lottery and if I'm successful, I'm going to find a coach and I still have more than six months and I'm going to hit the 2020 race and life will be good. Um, it was probably what, two weeks, maybe three before Umstead 2020 that they canceled the race. And I remember happened to be the day of a long run and I'm out there when the email comes out and I think I sent you a Facebook message like, ah, oh, this just happened. And man, that's kind of stunk. I really cut my uh, run short. It just it was kind of a, a disappointing blow. But the race was generous in that um, I had a slot into 2021. And so like, okay, a couple uh, days or a week or two of pity party, then time to get back to work. Hey, Aaron, I guess I have another year to get ready. I'm going to be even more prepared. <laughs> um, so I towed the line in 2020 and, you know, Spring in Raleigh, North Carolina generally is fantastic. June, July, August really stink with the humidity in, in the Piedmont area. Was, but you can usually bank on the March, April time to be quite nice. And it was 2021 that you towed the line. Correct. Right. Yes, correct. Yep, correct. Um, that particular day was almost like June humidity. It was awful. <laughs> so, uh, 
it was um, a joyful run, but as the day progressed, that humidity really kind of put a, a damper on nutrition, right? I know how many calories an hour I should be taking on, but with that humidity, you just, you couldn't process the foods. They were just sitting in your gut and your, your head's starting to panic because you're not taking on the calories you think you need and it's hot and you may or may not be getting all the liquids you need. And that, that presented challenges through the day. And then about five o'clock at night came the torrential downpour. And I'm not sure if you were caught up in it. You might, you may have been done at that point. No, I, I, we were there. But, we were in it. Yep. Uh, you were in it. <laughs> it was, I wouldn't trade the experience for anything because it was that surreal. You're out on Reedy Creek and it's raining so hard. And other runners are just kind of like shadows 15 yards ahead of you. You can't quite see them. Um, so time I got to the next aid station you know you're into blister city and it from there it was um it was just tough it wasn't just me I think many runners just that just shredded them but I went approximately 24 hours and did 75 miles that was a distance PR for me I, I felt great about what I did. And I knew that was a hard day. I had some experienced hundred mile finisher friends texting me like, and you just drew the short straw. Like <laughs> if everything else lined up, you may have stood a, a great chance at finishing and it just didn't happen. Um, and so that kind of amped up my desires a little more realizing that you can put the hours and the training in, but the smallest of things that you don't expect or things out of your control that you don't expect can make a huge difference in race day. And it just makes that, that finish that much more special because it's hard. <laughs> Whether you're, you know, even as conditioned as you can be, things happen. And so you can't take these hundred mile finishes for granted by any, by any means. For sure. That's for sure. Yeah. That, that was a, it was a, that was a tough day. Um, it's, you know, like I said, there's just variables that are beyond our control and we try to problem solve the best we can, but you know, even with problem solving and, and doing our best to manage the situation, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um, you know, I had just had the podcast with, uh, Robin Byron about, um, you know, it took her five times to try to, you know, finish a hundred miler. Uh, and, and she did it, you know, out at Rocky raccoon, um, on her fifth try. So yeah, it, it's not a given, you know, I I've had at least two, possibly three DNFs myself in the hundred mile. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't bat a thousand <laughs> at the hundred mile, you know, distance. It's just, I mean, you know, like you said, so many variables have to go right for a finish of a hundred miles. You know, like you said, your fitness can be there, you know, nutrition can be there, but then there's some variable that throws that off and, and makes so many changes that it just makes it, you know, nigh impossible <laughs> to keep moving. Yeah. Um, but, um, but you persevered. 
And it was a surprise, you know, that it, it came, your hundred mile finish came at the, the country mile <laughs> because our conversation prior to the country mile was Aaron, I just need to go out there and be a part of the community. Maybe I'll do a few laps. <laughs> that, that was, that was our conversation. And, yes. uh, you know, um, and so just, why don't you, Pat, just set us up, talk about your mindset. Where were you prior to the country mile? Was the hundred mile finish even in your thoughts? No. Um, I think that hundred mile finish was in that same realm where you're talking to someone, you're like, here, hold my beer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, go, you're absolutely right. The conversation we had, I was kind of, you know, in a low and it's more of, I need to be immersed in this ultra community. I need to be among the other runners and I need kind of that, that healing. And so I didn't know exactly what that meant. You know, is it going to be um, at the country mile? It's on a strawberry farm in South Carolina. Um, it's a three mile lap. And for the most part, you can see almost anywhere on that three mile lap. It's a flat open farm. So I really didn't know going into it if I would just do maybe a lap, hang out for a while, do another lap, you know, just enjoy the community. I I really didn't have a hundred mile goal going into this. And at the same time, I'm thinking, I've got a 48 hour window to finish and it's not build necessarily as a hundred it's a 48 hour window if you happen to go 100 miles you'll buckle so coming off of antelope canyon thinking wow i went against my coach's advice and and that worked (laughs) there's a little bit of a precedent here um it was kind of i i did antelope canyon in 15 and a half hours for 50 miles. And I didn't expect it to be exactly linear, like, okay, in 31 hours, I can do a hundred. But I thought 48 hours was a very generous window to work with. A window that would allow me to not necessarily plan each lap and have kind of a a hundred mile game of attack like you and I did for Umstead, but it'd be one where maybe I can just power hike this and still afford to, you know, take an hour break or sleep in my truck, get some rest and still be able to make it. And so maybe we'll just kind of see how it goes and we'll work with, um, work with the time window I've got. If it doesn't happen, that's just fine. My goal of being immersed in the community would have happened and I was satisfied, but I think, um, during the event, things just started kind of falling in place. And all the challenges I've had on previous attempts were there. I'm tired. I'm sore. I'm really tired at three in the morning. I'm going to go nap. Um, That, I think, was good mental training. It really was. And so over the course of of the race you get into Saturday afternoon like well there it is possible so um one of the things that you helped me learn when I did the race in Blacksburg um, where that race had a had advertised a fixed cutoff 
and I got to an aid station prior to the cutoff, but I was already at the cutoff time. And I think mentally for me at that point was, all right, time to tap out because I can't possibly make the cutoff. Only to find out that that race director is quite generous. At, I think on race day, it was like, if you're still moving, keep on going. <laughs> and so for Country Mile, in my mindset was, I still have time to work with. Don't quit. Keep going. I'm, I'm, I was kind of drawing on inspiration from Hunt. You know, Hunt talks about being a back of the pack ambassador. And I think talking about like, I'm only going to leave the course if I'm on a stretcher or some crazy stuff like that. But, but more so of, I have this opportunity and I want to take full advantage until it's not necessarily my choice to stop. It's because of the race packed up. So I just kind of kept plodding away and plodding away and I'm kind of with Trish and I'm looking at my watch and I see the miles on my watch. I'm like, oh man, wait till Aaron gets a hold of this. <laughs> it's going to kill me. <laughs> and then, then you just got to a certain point where, okay, I'm, I'm going for it. Um, but there was a point where I didn't think I would finish. And I was really in a low, sitting in a chair and Trish is kind of like, you're not giving up now, are you? And that's all it took. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So, you know, and it just, it, it just happened that day. I think yeah. it was purely accidental more than anything. Well, you know, uh, two things here. Um, Hunt, who you refer to is Hunt Brumby and Hunt uh, finished the uh, Vol State 500K. Um, he was on a previous podcast episode. I'll try to put that in the show notes. Um, Hunt is a great inspiration, um, you know, for, for, for many, he's, he's definitely, you know, he's the, the guy that just keeps going, you know, it, it hurts, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep moving because that's what I want to do. Um, and secondly, I I'm looking at, um, the, the instant message thread <laughs> from, uh, April 10th, 8:32 AM. I'm sent a picture. On Pat's watch, it reads 73.21, average pace 3134, uh, overall time 38 hours, 31 minutes, and 50 seconds. My response, wow, congrats, man, because uh, I thought that was it. <laughs> I was like, wow, you <laughs> just did you know, 73 miles. That's freaking incredible. Pat responds, I'm going really easy, mainly power walking and taking good breaks. 10 hours left to get 25 miles. First hundred is going to happen to me today. <laughs> and I, I just respond pretty awesome, sir. And then at five Oh seven, there's a picture that Pat sent with 100.05 miles, 28, 16 average pace, 47, 07, 25, about a mile and a half to the finish <laughs> is his, is his caption. And then the next message says done 47 hours, 33 minutes. And it's Pat holding his buckle. Uh, which, you know, it, it welled me up. I was, I was so happy for you. Um, you know, definitely that I was after the first message, I was surprised <laughs> that you had gotten that far, but the, the, the second, I was just thrilled that you had, you know, hung on, uh, and endured for, you know, for a hundred miles. That's, I mean, that's amazing to, you know, to just will yourself through it because that's what you did. You willed yourself through a hundred miles. Um, you know, the, this was something, like we said, it was not planned. It was, you know, just your execution and basically your, 
your mental power that got you through it. So that's, that's freaking amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. The, the average pace was probably closer to like 18 when I'm moving, but the 30 was like, yeah, there was times I'm sleeping in my truck and that, you know, um, yep. that, that factored in not. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, no, it was just what was on the picture. That's all. No, um, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. It was, <laughs> but I mean, that was all part of the story. I'm like 47 and a half hours. This is nuts. Who would do that? <laughs> I did. <laughs> You right, did. You, know? you did. And, yeah. and the mindset shift is amazing. You know, uh, for, you know what what occurred during the event. And can you talk about what what did that mean to you after the event? What was your what was your mindset after that? How did you reframe your thoughts about you know what's a possible uh, what's you know what a hundred mean hundred mile finish means to you? It um. It, <sighs> there's there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces to it because it's um i think at first glance it's like here's my achievement and here's my buckle for my work but it was really um a sense of renewal in myself because it wasn't the renewal of 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 achieving this goal and what that meant for me but renewal in terms of over that 47 and a half hour window, the experience of being outside on the strawberry farm during, it was cold and it was windy and I, the dust devils coming off the farm at that point in time, um, going into two overnights where you just had this star show that was incredible. And the people along the way, for me, it was almost not so much a race, not so much about me and the hundred, but it was almost like this shared pilgrimage. And when you're, when you're tired at night and it's pitch black, but you can look across the farm and see a string of headlamps moving, you're like, I'm pretty tired. They must be as well. And rolling up on somebody and you're, and the simplest of conversation starters, you have a wonderful exchange with somebody that you may not have come across before in your life. Um, that that kind of was renewal for my soul across that whole time frame. Um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the people that have been helping me along my personal journey and people that have been out on the course and it's the simple gestures coming back like you know hey let me do a lap with you or thankful for trish like just giving me that look that only trish can do like get back <laughs> out there tough love and then okay she'll give you a quick hug but get going right just those nudges to help you help you go and i i feel like if I could do that event, I will succeed in my personal challenges, or I will have the confidence to take on other challenges in my life. And so it's just kind of this um, confidence boost, renewal. Um, the feeling of finishing wasn't so much about me crossing the line, but to see other close friends there too. And just kind of celebrating that finish not about my necessarily effort but just that community was just 
fantastic. It's such a great feeling. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, you know, and I mean, from my perspective, um, you know, as a coach, there there are coaches that would be like, "That's it. You don't listen to me. <laughs> We're done." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, I I find. I become as, as much as everything in the coaching world tells you, you're supposed to maintain this professional relationship with your athletes. I can't help, but be personally invested in my athletes um, and just be, you know, present with what's going on in your life. Right. Um, and know that I have to be empathetic as well. Like I, I, I know you needed that. Like I understand that. And I like, there was no, no, um, animosity. There was no anger on my side of things like, you know, because I'm, I'm not that pig headed to think that I know everything and you should do everything I say. Um, and I, I hope that most people, if they have a coach athlete relationship, that they can be that open with each other, um, and be that understanding of one another, because, you know, obviously what Pat just did and what he just said, it means so much more than anything that like, you know, I could, <laughs> I could say post run other than congratulations. That's freaking amazing. <laughs> I just super happy. And that was wonderful. <laughs> and that was, that was wonderful. Um, you know, and, and even times, and I think maybe it's also kind of some generational or age component too. If I were a young college age runner that you were coaching, yeah, you should be pigheaded and driving them hard. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, at this point, I do remember when all I could do is score streaker miles a day. Um, you did ask, like, hey, do we need to take a coaching break? And, you know, my response was, no, um, I need this. Even if it's a mile, I know that you're going to be looking at that result. So just kind of some gentle accountability Aaron, I'll be okay. I need somebody to, to watch this. And as spring rolls by, as I get a little more time, my mileage will come up. I really need this, but we're going to have to make some adjustments until I can see my path forward. And so to me, having your involvement at that level was, was crucial. And that's what we have to make sure that, you know, that we're on the same page. Like, I, you know, I always want to be useful. I don't want to be just that, that guy, <laughs> you know, like I, I want to make sure that what, what we have is, is meaningful to you and your running and your life. Right. Um, so having that open communication is, is vital. And I certainly appreciate that you are always open and honest with yourself, how things are going, how you're feeling, anything we could be doing, anything I'm not doing, you know, those are, those are all conversations that we have about accountability. So, um, I certainly appreciate that. Um, cool. And you also have some, some cool ideas for, for what's next. You have this, uh, Allegheny adventure. <laughs> Do you want to yeah, talk about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, before I get there in next month, two, three weeks, I'm doing the Grayson Highlands 50 K and that that's kind of similar to what I was describing. Here's the chance to get up in the mountains, um, get up on a ball. There's horses. Like I've always wanted to go out there and here's a good excuse to explore. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and then 
in June, I'm doing something that is, it's a hun another hundred miler and I would put it more in a fast pack category. And um, specifically the North Country Trail kind of runs, I think Michigan due east across the top of the United States. It cuts through Pennsylvania and kind of um, border to border does a hundred miles through the Allegheny National Forest. So the local, local chapter, the North Country Trail Association, once a year puts on the um, Allegheny A100. It's not ultra sign up. There's no timing mat. There's no medals. It is a self-supported hike. And you can choose whether you want 25, 50, 75, 100 miles. But that forest and a smaller section of it is something that my family has been part of for generations. When, when my family emigrated from Sweden in the 1800s, um, a lot of them worked in those woods. And, and my brothers and I go up there every year in November as well. So there's other sections of the forest I haven't seen, but I mean, it's just a wonderful place. So I signed up and I will do it. I think there's probably more of the backpack culture. Um, some people talking about bringing tents and sleeping bags, but I'm going to approach it more like fast pack. I'm going to approach it more like the country mile where we start Friday about 6 p.m. and I've got 50 miles to get this finish. And for me, that's just, um, I just can't wait to experience those woods and have an adventure. And so um, that's really the next goal. And in some sense, a country mile was a training platform for that, right? I'm gonna find a power hike country mile because that's what I'll do in June. Um, I probably went off of your ultra running menu. There was times I'd get back to my chair at Country Mile and open up a cold can of SpaghettiOs and just down those <laughs> and get back out on the course. And like Trish and company are like, what are you doing? Like, this is wonderful. Eating those. <laughs> I had ramen noodles with tuna, uh, like a foil pack of tuna thrown in. They're like, you're out of your mind. But um, it was fantastic. So that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to. So it, it will be a hundred miler, but it'll be one that will never be scored anywhere and it won't be a buckle, but it will be kind of in my, my memories forever. That's, that's right. And I mean, Pat, thank you for, for sharing your story, um, you know, for all of this um, and, you know, God, for, you know, like I'd be remiss not to just say congratulations one more time for, for, you know, enduring, 47 hours and 33 minutes <laughs> um, to, to earn yourself that, that big, you know, platter of the buckle um, at the country mile. That thing is amazing. Um, but, you know, if, if folks want to reach out to you, is there a better way to do so? Uh, I'm on Facebook at Hartzell. Come on out. That's, that's not a problem. And I don't know other venues. I don't know if they comment on your podcast. I listen to your podcast or reach out via you but um yeah cool. people have questions or comments about anything if people are going through separation i'm i'm always here and available to to chat with thank you again pat you're wonderful and that's awesome to to be a part of your journey so thank you for that as well thank you aaron thank you again pat 
for that. And thank you for the, you know, sharing and, uh, talking about everything that's going on and being open about everything. That was truly a, a great conversation to have with you. So thank you, sir. Um, and, uh, here on, on this side of, uh, MR running pains, um, man, ah, gosh, we just had Boston. Um, that was, uh, Monday, um, April 18th. And, uh, I had five athletes there. Um, my, um, uh, two of them, whew, um, Nathan France ran, uh, 244, uh, PR'd. And, uh, Christina Norris, she broke three hours, uh, two fifty nine fifty six, uh, PR for her there, uh, a PR for Boston that is, uh, so fantastic. Uh, one of my athletes, uh, just had, um, gotten sick, but she still managed to finish amazing job, Julie. Uh, and then my other two athletes, uh, Jennifer Byers and, and Sandra Levesque, they both PR'd <laughs> huge PRs at Boston, um, uh, Jennifer had a, uh, 28 minute PR and, uh, Sandra had a, um, a two hour PR actually, cause, uh, she had just run some of the Disney marathons previously and, and just <laughs> had too much fun. Uh, so tremendous. Ah, well, I'm so proud of them. Um, so what a Boston Monday. Well, you know, it was just really awesome to be able to track them. Uh, you know, I don't know if you followed Boston, but they had an app and you could track everybody kind of gave, uh, you know, as they went over timing mats, it gave you an update so you could follow along and see how they're doing. Just so exciting. So very proud of them. Congratulations to those guys. Congratulations to all the Boston finishers. Um, it has been a great April. Um, you know, I had seven athletes run the Umstead 100 mile and seven of them finish, uh, you know, again, some PRs and, uh, gosh, it was just, uh, it's been, been a great April. So very, very pleased with, with my athletes on all regards, marathon and ultra it's, and, you know, even sub marathon it's, it's fantastic. So, uh, coaching is going really well. Um, you know, in a good place. I thank you to those of you guys that continue to reach out again. Um, you know, I'm just being open, um, with hellbender coming up. I'm not taking on any athletes until after hellbender, which obviously approaches very quickly, uh, May 6th and 7th, uh, the hellbender 100 will take place. So after that time, um, I will, you know, open up some spots for coaching. So if you're interested in having a conversation now and talking about it, um, please reach out. I'm happy to have that conversation and talk about coaching and see if I'm a good fit for you. Um, just know that I won't be able to get started until after Hellbender. Um, you know, I'm going to catch up from <laughs> from Hellbender and uh, and you know really kind of bear down and, and get back to you know coaching full time. Um, you know, track is coming to its championship season as well. We're coming up on the uh, the conference and regional championships, which will be the state qualifiers and states. So May is a, a busy, busy month. Um, super, super excited for those athletes and uh, and seeing their progression this season. So uh, it's just been fun and busy, obviously, super busy. Um, and then uh, the end of um, April, beginning of May, May 1st, actually, is my Hall of Fame induction back home in New York for um, my 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 region um i'm getting inducted into the track and field hall of fame and i just got word today from my old high school cross-country coach that he is going to be the one that um does my introduction and induction i'm so happy about that um you know it's (laughs) means a lot it really does so i'm really looking forward to that so a lot going on as we speak um 
myself, my training, um, you know, as I prepare for Bigfoot, um, I pulled my hamstring, um, my calf and my hamstring. And so I had to take a little downtime. So if you've been following me on Strava and, uh, you know, I disappeared for a little while, I had to recover from, uh, some mild strains. Uh, you know, it, they really, they, I stopped before they got really bad, went and saw my physical therapist and, uh, Miriam worked on me, um, got me back up, um, got some exercises that I'm working on to keep the hamstrings and, and calves strong, um, re-implemented some strength and mobility stuff. Uh, you know, it's just with everything going on, it's always, you know, we have always say it's, it's one of the first things to go. So, uh, really tried to, you know, get a, a refocus on uh, strength and mobility as well as some foam rolling, you know, just trying not to be lazy when I'm tired, you know, uh, finish up, um, with, with checking on my athletes at night and then I'll jump on the foam roller for a little bit. I wake up in the morning. Um, I, I found this app, um, and I, I paid for a year of it, but it gives you like a seven minute, um, workout in the morning, kind of get you going. So I typically do that like right before I go run and then, uh, gives you a strength session three days a week that you can do either at the gym or at home. Uh, you don't need much equipment to do it at home. So, um, I started doing those, uh, which is again, you know, kind of re-strengthening things, uh, working on mobility, uh, and just getting back to running. I kind of just hit the reset button on the running because it just felt like uh, you know, I just kept, you know, was one thing after another with getting sick and just not be able to to get out for a run and then the injury. So um, I'm just gonna kind of hit the reset button. Uh, that's what my body feels like it needs. So uh, you know, there's times where I have to do that. I've got four months to Bigfoot, so um, I'm not behind or, uh, you know, or in any type of stressful situation to try to cram in training. So, um, I'm just going to listen to my body and, and build back. And I think that's what my body is really needing is just, you know, that slow, gradual build back. So, um, just enjoying that process right now. Um, especially with hellbender around the corner, you know, my, my energies, um, as I said, they're on coaching hellbender, my family, you know, not necessarily in that order, but, um, you know, it was just with so much going on. I'm, I'm happy to be able to get out and go for a run. Uh, I did like four and a half miles today, just on my road back and forth. And, uh, you know, just, just kind of excited. Um, yeah, so anyway, some, you know, just good stuff, good stuff. Uh, with the end of April approaching here, usually this is the time I start announcing, uh, my newsletter. I'm not sure if I will get the newsletter before or after hellbender. I'm thinking it's probably going to be after hellbender again, just with everything going on. Um, I, I, you know, <laughs> I don't think I want to add one more thing to my plate to try to make a deadline to, uh, to get the newsletter out, but we'll see. Um, you know, I've been trying some new shoes, um, which I'm excited about. Um, I got the, uh, Mafate speed three and, and the, uh, the new, uh, speed goat, the, uh, speed goat five, um, uh, been trying those out. It's been a while since I've had, you know, kind of a, a plush Hoka, but I was curious, uh, I'm, you know, I was curious to see, is this, uh, is this what my foot wants for, uh, you know, for a Bigfoot 200, do I need that, that extra cushioning or is it too much? So, um, you know, again, jury's out, (laughs) uh, not, not quite sure. Um, you know, that I need that much or I want that much. So, um, gonna, you know, uh, build them back here. So do some training with them. Um, I've got, you know, it seems like I've got a pretty good selection of things that I could go with. And it's not to say that I won't bring, you know, a lot of them out there and perhaps switch between them and see what, you know, what is most comfortable in my foot. But, um, the mountain racer two is feeling good. Um, lone peak, uh, it's still kind of my go-to. I really enjoyed the lone peak. 
so uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, definitely a first world problem <laughs> uh, having shoes to go between. So, uh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, was, you know, uh, so far as, as gear goes, um, I've kind of transitioned back to my Solomon Advanced Skin 12, uh, just like the uh, stretchy capacity that that, that allows me. Um, I have two of them <laughs> again, another first world problem, um, so that I can, you know, just ditch my pack and they can just hand me a new one and I'll have to waste time restuffing things. And, and, you know, so, um, you know, the only thing will be, um, making sure that I have all the mandatory gear in both packs. Uh, and so, and making sure I have my lighting situation when I need it. So, um, but we're working on the logistics of it. Um, I'm excited for Bigfoot. We got our plane tickets. Uh, we've got a house rented for the week, uh, car rented. Uh, just started reaching out to my uh, potential crew and pacers, uh, kind of seeing who can make the trip. So trying to just iron out all this stuff. It's really getting exciting. Uh, my wife and I sat down the other day and traced out the uh, um, the route on uh, on actual physical maps uh so we could get a, a feel for it and look at it you know just to kind of get the uh the overall view of it because you look at it on a, a screen i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't you know mean as much to me when i look at it on a computer uh when i sit down with a paper map i just feel like i can understand it a lot better um i don't know if it's just the tactile you know, portion of it, um, or just staring at a flat screen. I, it just doesn't register, but anyhow, um, yeah, we went, we mapped that out and we started talking about things, um, you know, the potential for, uh, crew stops and how we're going to create the, you know, logistics for the crew because it's, you know, it's going to be difficult for one car to, to kind of get everywhere. So, um, you know, we're, we're talking about how that will work out. Uh, so, uh, and then, you know, taking shifts for, so my wife doesn't have to be out there for the duration of the event. Um, but yeah, I'm, like I said, you can hear it in my voice, I hope. I am super excited about Bigfoot. Um, it's kind of been a, a revitalization. Um, you know, just really, <laughs> my, my daughter and I have been watching um, on the Travel Channel. It's like searching for Bigfoot or something like that. Just, uh, you know, just as kind of a... Um, a, a comic relief almost, but um, it just, you know, I, I tell her, I was like, this is kind of where we're going. You know, this is the Pacific Northwest. This is uh, where dad's going to be running. Uh, and it just gets exciting to kind of see, you know, those uh, those nooks of, of that part of the country because I've, I've never really been able to uh, explore them, you know, to this capacity. Uh, so I, I'm super excited for it. So yeah, that's what's going on here. Um, man, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope your training goes well. Um, if you have any questions, as always, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, always appreciate you guys for listening and uh, can't wait till next time. Until then, keep running, my friends.